an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Hello and welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Yes, um, pretty good. Went out and looked at lots of sculptures yesterday in, in Yorkshire. Oh. Ah, yes, lots of, lots of, lots of, um, presumably not Ed- Edwardian and Victorian gentlemen. No, standing on pillars. No, but lots of modern sculpture. Lots of Damien Hirst and stuff. Yeah, oh. it's very good. Yeah, excellent. The Yorkshire, the Yorkshire Sculpture Park. I highly recommend it. They're not sponsoring this podcast, but no, <laughs> yet. No. I've very nearly, I'm very nearly spent a year of my life there. But then didn't. No, I know. Yeah, I hadn't really, really connected it with Bretton Hall and all that until I was there, mm. and I was like, oh, this is Bretton Hall. Yes, League mm. of Gentlemen and all that. Yes, mm. yep, indeed. Yes. yes. Yeah, that would have been more or less the right time. I don't think I would have, I would have suddenly had uh, uh, Mark Gattis on my speed dial, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. But I, I, d- I did get an email from him once. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> if it, oh, no, where's my bell? <laughs> I invited him to the Tenko reunion event in London at the ah. Imperial War Museum, and he got back to say, great, but can I also bring Rachel? And I'm like, who's Rachel? <laughs> Ah. And it was. Can you guess which Rachel it was? Uh, not off the top of Rachel Sterling. Oh, that Rachel! Oh, crikey! Yeah. And I said yes, and I sent them an invite forthwith. But then he got embroiled in that Henry play he did, one of their uh, plays, yes. or George, one of them. So yes, could, the uh, yes George. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't come in the end. Anyway, George three. That George had, three, the second sequel. That would have, have added some nice celebrity. Mm. But he was very polite and nice by email. Right. Well, I suspect had he involved, had I mingled with him at all at that time of their lives, they would have had no success whatsoever. So, <laughs> for you it's Kiss of Death Holmes. You don't, you don't know that. Kiss of Death Holmes. <laughs> what are you like? Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, I see your success and I suck it away. <laughs> wow. Gosh, we're dark today. <laughs> it's very warm. Very warm. I'm, I'm feeling I, I may have to undo my waistcoat and maybe maybe loosen my breeches. Wow, that that would be appropriate for Indeed today. Would for what are we talking about, Andy? Persuasion by Jane Austen, no less. Ah, indeed. 1995 version, a TV movie made by the BBC 
for yes. I think was it screen two? Yes, for their screen, screen two? two strand, which I, I always look back on and think is kind of somehow quaint, like these strands. But I don't know why. No. It's just why it's, it's actually quite strange because sometimes they're only listed under screen two in yes. um, IMDb, and mm. you're going through trying to find the, the reference. And, yes. Oh, you have to look under the series screen two. Yes, which is odd. Like it was a sitcom. Yes, <laughs> screen two. Um, so. A bit of background on this particular adaptation, mm-hmm. and then we'll do a synopsis of Persuasion itself. Um, actually, let's go for that, that first. Anne Elliot has spent over seven years regretting being persuaded to reject the young Captain Wentworth's proposal. Now she learns that he has returned from many years at sea, and he is a handsome and eligible catch. According to the back of the DVD cover, anyway. <laughs> handsome Dis- and eligible. <laughs> Despite misunderstandings, misunderstandings, the the core, the core of Austen, and a series of mismatches and the stifling etiquette of social arrangements, I might even add social mores because I prefer that. Ooh. Can they convince each other that their love still survives? I'm not sure that's an accurate synopsis, but there we go. So as as we're busy edit, re-editing the DVD release, so yes. to speak. I often it wouldn't think... have got past you, would it? Yeah, bloody wouldn't. No, absolutely. It's far too much about. It says handsome ineligible. It, 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 it's, it's how I heard that. <laughs> handsome and eligible, which of course, what, what was the what was what was Theresa May's thing? Um, the, uh, the, and I always misquote it. I can't remember what it is now. Never mind. Doesn't matter. One of her simple. One of her simple repeatable messages. Yes. Strong and stable. Strong. Strong unstable. That's <laughs> strong unstable. <laughs> yes. Bless Always that. hear it as un- unstable, not yeah. and. The yeah. and becomes an un. Yeah, I wonder why that is. In. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's obviously that I have a negative view on everything in life. That's what it is. Well, as long as it's negative for the Tories, I'm very supportive. So, bit of politics there. Yes, just a bit. This was an adaptation that first aired on the 16th of April 1995. It was written or adapted by Nick Deer, and just a bit about Nick before we get into it. He adapted lots of Poirots, did he not? Uh, the name was familiar, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. the full-length ones as well. The Hollow, Castle yeah. of the Table, Elephants Aye. to Remember, all the, that. The biggies, the ones yeah. you remember. Yeah. So, but this looks to be one of his earliest credits. Now, I will not say it's his first credit, because IMDb mm. suggests it's his first credit, which means nothing. It mm. just means that his other credits haven't got made their way onto IMDb. But... Right. <laughs> um, it seems to be quite early in his career. He was only 40 when he adapted this. I say only 40 now because mm. I'm way above 40, but... <laughs> I'm looking at it in the far distance. Yes, a long time ago. If I'd achieved that at 40, then great. Oh, well done, the Nick. the mirror. There it was. Yes. That was your life, mate. Yes, no. it's gone. Bye-bye. Um, produced a by... A mere 40. Produced which, by... of course, would be ancient for Austin times, wouldn't it? Sorry. Yes, we'll get to that. Produced by Fiona Finlay, directed by Roger Michel. Mm. wasn't wasn't aware of either of those, but I probably should look and find out. But I haven't. The, na- the name Roger Michel is very familiar, and I can't think why. So I, I, I think I'm getting mixed up, mixed up with Keith Michel, maybe, but I don't know. Possibly, possibly, or, or James Mitchell, who was involved with Callum. 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 You said that like Callum. Gollum. Callum. That there. That there. That there. Southern killer blow. Yeah. So. Relationship with I want you to tell me about your relationship with Jane Austen. 
And my relationship with Jane Austen is virtually non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> so this could be a very short podcast indeed. Um, no, I. Uh, one of the things we don't do in our in our house viewing generally is corsets in crisis. Right. It's not our kind of viewing. So I mean, this. You, I mean, this is our first classic serial, isn't it? You know, I was going to say it, period. I think period it is. Drama, I but, think it is. But, yeah. Uh, Period drama always. I always think classic serial is is what they're looked at, and this this sort of came on a, an absolute waft. Is it a waft or a wave? Maybe a wave of of Austin mania, which which sort of splurged out in yeah. the uh, in the middle of the nineteen nineties uh, with things yeah. like Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice and and <laughs> Blackadder the Third <laughs> and things like this. But um, I mean. I, Pride and Prejudice filmed up the road. I did actually see Pride and Prejudice when it was on. I don't know why. Uh, and of, of course, because I'm an illiterate cove, it was never high on my reading list either. I mean, you know, uh, but the ones we had to read for school sort of stopped before we got to things like Jane Austen. So. Yeah. So I did um, this particular novel for A-Level. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly reading the first chapter, which was all about retrenchment and how Sir Walter Elliot has to retrench. And I remember thinking... This is going to be this is going to be such a bind. I can't be bothered with this. But very quickly, I really got into it, and the language, the wit, the humour, yes, very much enjoyed by me when I was. Well, um, I mean, doing you know, I, I've, I have managed. I mean, I have managed to plough my way through Bleak House. Uh, I do like mm. a bit of Dickens. Well, you see, I don't. I'm, I'm um, anti Dickens very strongly. Yeah. Oh, right, but so but all that stuff about the uh, the court case, the John John Dice versus John Dice thing, mm. you know, lapped all that up. Did she? So you know, so actually, <laughs> so actually, the whole th- the whole thing about retrenching was kind of like ah, I can live with that. Although they do get that over with very quickly in the story, don't they? They do. So I remember this from '95, and remember really enjoying it and thinking, this is good. This is very good. But I want to introduce a component here and talk about something which I'm going to call the bonnet scale. So (laughs) I think that when it comes to adapting Austin, you've got a lot of issues that you have to deal Mm -hmm. with around how accessible you make the language, um, Mm -hmm. about whether you make it a full on cozy love story with lots of petals and and indeed bonnets, um, Mm -hmm. whether you make it a social document. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you've got to take into account previous productions and how you're going to deal with the key scenes. I mean, Persuasion, mm. it's about the cob and Louisa's jump. That's kind of the turning point. Mm. Um, I wrote a very long essay about that in my A-level exam. Um, and you have it here. <laughs> we'll read it now. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that Louisa must go... No. Um, we'll get that running time. <laughs> yeah. But I think... In conclusion... In conclusion, I think the bonnet scale... Is as is a measure of how how accessibly Austin you make it and how bonnety you make it, and I believe mm-hmm. you shouldn't be trying to go towards a ten on the bonnet scale because right. because that means you're just making it a bit fluffy and light and accessible and rose petally and nice. Mm-hmm. And I think the best Austins are the ones which are less glowy, a bit mm. more stark, and a bit more. Oh, actually, it was not an easy time to live. And I think on the on the bonnet scale, I think this adaptation of Persuasion is number six. Is six out of ten. Whereas right. something like Pride and Prejudice, that adaptation, which I did enjoy, mm. um, is more like a nine or a ten on the bonnet scale because it really just goes for all of the cliches. Right. It really does. But it's mm. so 
obvious about going for all those cliches that I actually think that's fine, but it's not a social document. It's more of a just fun romp. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I think, has a lot to say about society and particularly about the role of women in society then. Mm. So, I, I have introduced the bonnet scale. <laughs> the bonnet scale is good. I, I also, interestingly, when you say Pride and Prejudice, the thing that I, I vaguely remember about it being on is the only thing that anyone ever talks about is Colin... What's his name? Not Colin Farrell. The other chap. <laughs> the chap who was in it, sort of leaping into that lake. Colin and, Firth. And, and, his, and his shirt showing off everything he had. Colin Firth. Colin Firth, yes. yes. Not Colin Farrell. That would have been amusing. <laughs> so, um... Been a shootout in the lake at Lime Park. Uh, yes, indeed. So, yeah, I think it's hard to adapt Austen well. I would like mm. to just make passing reference to Emma Thompson's Sense and Sensibility, which I think is another good example, which does mm-hmm. deal with the social stuff and particularly the, the plight of women if you don't, you know... If in in terms of not owning property and all that stuff, mm. and but I think that's more towards like a seven or eight on the bonnet scale. Uh, more <laughs> more bonnety, but then cinema cinema bonnety. <laughs> cinema bonnety is that related to this, cinema verity? This this is te- tele bonnety, <laughs> but it's also trying to sell it to America bonnety. It is. It really is. So now, I mean, at, at this time they're trying to sell this idea of England. And love and 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 English love as well and mm. yes all that shit. So um, and, all, and all, <clears throat> all our repressed butler and butlerdom. Repressed <laughs> butlerdom. We're coming up with a lot of new words today. I think it's oh, good. Yeah. So it's uh, a friend of mine used to refer to it for repressed butlers uh, in, <laughs> uh, in in those sorts of British films that I used to go to the cinema and see, <laughs> which had lots of people in country houses getting murdered mostly. But, <laughs> But, um, yes, yeah, so, Howard's End. And all oh, that. I, I love Howard's End. It's my favourite mm. film of all time. Oh, yes, they used to mock me. It. They used to mock me at work. They did mock, the, mock. Why did they mock you? Because it was always about repressed butlers. <laughs> You've been to see another repressed butler film. I suppose you're really thinking about Remains of the Day. That is the that repressed, too. That is yeah, the repressed butleriness. That was. Well, that was wasn't the, that Peter? the whole thing? Every time I went to see a film that was a sort of. You know, yeah, that sort of film. Basically, the first thing that never came up in conversation was it another repressed butler? <laughs> that was it. The entire, the entire world of that part of cinema was reduced to repressed and butler, butler and repressed. That was all there was. Which is interesting because when we go back to persuasion, there always seems to be a production of persuasion on at any given time. Yes. Well, they yeah. seem to be remaking it every week. Now, let me, let me before we go any further, I want to find mm-hmm. out what did you think of it because we haven't even found that out yet. What did you think mm. of this adaptation? Now, this is interesting. This is interesting because I did write down actually somewhere. I can't find it, but never mind. I did actually write down that actually I really enjoyed it. Yay! I really enjoyed it. I didn't expect it. I thought I was going to be bored to, you know. Mm-hmm. But no, actually, I, I, I've, I've watched it twice this week. Because, wow. Because not necessarily because I, it was forgettable. Uh, it's just to... I. I thought, well, I've got the I've got the time to watch it twice, and and sometimes I think when we when we talk about these things, I do sometimes find I've completely forgotten the whole thing. Yeah, uh, I've I've written lots of notes, and then I'm trying to think, oh, I don't remember that bit, you know. And it was interesting to go through it the second time and, and realize how much I hadn't picked up on the first time. But knowing where the plot's going, I was less distracted by that thing. And it's uh, it's it, it surprised it was it 104 minutes or something. Yes, like that? it's not no, it's no. not a long piece at all no. considering. Um, and it really doesn't it doesn't outstay its welcome it 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 gets its points across i don't know how 
perfect an adaptation it is. I'm sure there's lots of the book that's been thrown out. But actually, in terms of its running time, it feels very good. And the interesting thing I thought about the whole thing was actually it was much less wordy than I expected it to be. Ah, there's a lot yeah. of very good words in it, and there are, there's a lot of very good performances in it, but actually a lot of what you would imagine is internal monologue or whatever has been, or, or what might seem as uh, inconsequential chat has been removed. So there's a lot more smouldering. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an interesting way of, of knowing that the page is the page and the screen is the screen, to actually see something on screen and know that you don't actually have to say 10 pages of dialogue yes. to get that point across. Oh, so God, Alan Bleasdale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've besmirched another one. <laughs> besmirched another one. <laughs> it's more like Alan Play to say, who actually well, lets the dialogue, um, is, is it keeps it sparse, so characters can be formed through looks and through internal thoughts. Yes. Indeed. And and I think that comes from a, just a, a wisdom of, of knowledge of what the medium can do. Which, again, yes. when you when you go back to television writers of that, well, the sort of sixties and seventies, they learned that, but they learned what could be done with a look. You know, in the same way that actors learned what could be done with a look that didn't need explanation. Um, so it is fascinating from that point of view. Yeah, you you referred to age earlier, and one of the most fascinating things for me in this was that. She was meant to be, Anne Elliot was meant to be seen as to be on the shelf and passed her best at 27. Yes, <laughs> 27! <absolutely. laughs> I'm like, wow! Yeah, it's nearly 30 years ago for me, and I'd, <laughs> I'd probably agree with you, I was passed it at 27 as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just ridiculous, but... um. But I, th I guess everyone died younger then, back then. Well, the, again, the interesting thing in terms of the narrative, I know, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, no, but those okay. two two girls who were flirting... Yeah, with, Louise, uh, Louisa and Henrietta. Yes, with, with Frederick Wentworth and yeah. are sort of throwing themselves at him in a, in a not very <clears throat> subtle way. Um, to me, they both, they both seem like well, teenagers. And of course, I suppose they were. They probably were. Know? They were probably like 15 yeah. or 16 or something, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. You know, and yet that would have been the age that that basically people were, you know, getting hitched, uh, getting pregnant, and presumably dying in childbirth. You know? Yeah. So, um, it's a terrifyingly uh, different uh, world in yeah. many ways. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is this this sort of cosy um, idea of of this era. You know, I mean, I know I know <clears throat> we talk quite a lot at the moment about people having this idealised idea of what the 50s were like and this oh, is yes. the Britain they want. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I, I constantly rage on, I've probably raged on in previous episodes of this, about this idea that the 50s was so wonderful and lovely when you've got all, you know, uh, the homophobia, sexism, racism, the whole... Yeah, uh, all that. Uh, not, not, I keep thinking benefits. What I, what I meant was, um, what they called? Ration. The yeah. ration. Yeah, and and this idea of oh the big country houses and oh everybody floating around in carriages and and they were always constant we were all constantly at balls and dancing all the time, and yet I'm sure this happened for the privileged few that were getting written about in the novels, but for most people it was awful. And this book opens with somebody basically crashing into debt. Yeah, and the shame or lack of it. <laughs> Well, yes, because he's a total. He's a, he is a total ass, Sir Walter Raleigh, Hooray! played by um, Corin Redgrave. 
Yes. And I had I loved the way he kept one, doing... one of the one of the one of the London Red Graves, I believe. Gosh. He had this way of saying some of the words where he'd um what was he do to the words? He did this thing, didn't he? Very wary, wary, saying W instead of very, you know, very very wooed. <laughs> Well, he was just an awful man. I mean, yeah. I, know, I know, I know, you and I haven't got partic- particularly sort of high high opinion of the of the uh, workshy fops that run the country, <laughs> but but um, but generally speaking, you kind of see where they get it from. They just expect so much yeah. and so much and do nothing, contribute absolutely nothing, and just expect the world to just fawn over them because they are and and these oh, hideous hideous snobbery of the man yeah and of course the way he dismisses Anne right from the off of course makes you just realize what a total ass the man is yes which is great writing and great performing i mean you know you, you've got to admire that within the context you know this 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 performance makes you loathe the man immediately and that is an incredible piece of uh, direction you know you will not have a naval man as a tenant no no, I will not, Shepherd. No. Then there is but one course open to you. You must retrench. Retrench? Retrench? How may I retrench? Baronet must be seen to live like a baronet. Sir Walter, I have been your neighbour for a good many years and am as solicitous for the credit of your family as anybody could well be. But your debts are extreme. You must retrench. I have therefore taken the liberty of drawing up some plans of economy for your family. I have uh, made exact calculations and I have consulted Anne on some points of detail. Anne? Why? What? Journeys? London? Servants? Table? I'd as soon quit Kellynch Hall at once than remain on it on such disgraceful terms. Yeah, and he has the most wonderful line. I mean, right at the end, um, and, uh, it's kind of swallowing it. But you want to marry Anne? Whatever for? <laughs> Whatever for? <laughs> he he has no belief in her value, and yet Anne quietly gets on with everything, and even mm. like when she has to pack up the whole house. So oh, the most capable of the ch- the children. Yes, you know. and her and Mary's her elder sister, isn't she? Oh, uh, and Mary. Yeah. Now, can I just say? <laughs> Sophie yes. Thompson, for me, is the best thing in it. Sophie Thompson <laughs> as Mary. Because Mary is the most hideous creation. And she's just brilliant. This is what Sophie Thompson does best. Is these horrible, maudlin, soppy, self-important people. And mm. My favourite line in the whole thing is when Henrietta's going past. And she shouts out the window. Are you coming in, Henrietta? Or is my cottage insufficiently grand for you? She is the one who is the hypochondriac, isn't she? Yes. Everything's everything is basically about her and her illness. Yeah. And everybody has. You you met people. Have you actually? I mean, I know I know you are a parent, so this is yeah. possibly massively unfair. But have you ever been in a restaurant? I know it's a long time ago since anyone yes. was in restaurants. Restaurants? What are they? When when, when you're in a restaurant and. And you're sitting at your table and you're I don't know, looking at your menu or whatever. And and uh, some people come in and it's like the entire place suddenly has to revolve around their needs. <laughs> Everything suddenly, you know, it's like, oh, we need a high chair or we need this. Or, we'll, or we'll, can you wash this fork? Or, or there are 23 of us, but there's only there's only a table for four. And oh, my God, these people. And, and, and there they all are in Austin. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there's this. I may best, have to read the book. <laughs> one of the best scenes is is Mary re- uh, recovering very quickly from pretending to be ill by eating. Mm. Shed loads of food in front of Anne. <laughs> oh, a practical pie. I, I've actually written down she has a practical pie in that scene and she must have loved... She's just... There is so much food and she's just piling into the, this this poor, wasted figure who I has know. no appetite. And, oh, genius. Brilliant. Absolutely genius. Charles's parents took me. It was so crowded. They take up so much room. I was crushed into the back seat with Henrietta and Louisa. And I think it most likely that my illness today may be owing to it. Mm. You know, Anne, I'm feeling somewhat improved. I was assuming I do not relapse. Should we walk after lunch into the great house? Oh, I'd like that. I ought to have called on you first, of course. So you ought to have had the manners to know what is due to you as my sister. I actually thought, Sire, when you were talking about the older sister, I thought you were talking about Liz. Oh yeah, Elizabeth. Yes, who is mm. awful, awful as well. Awful. Phoebe Nichols. Phoebe Nichols. Yeah. Oh yes. Elizabeth Elliot is just this atrocious character who is just all the worst things about society then, um, all mm. about how things should look, about vanity, about. Oh, a bit like now, really. She'd have had. A, she'd have had a. You know. She'd have had a YouTube. She'd have she'd had, had an, an Insta, Insta account. <laughs> she definitely. <laughs> She is the child most like her father, who yes, who, he, who regrets never having a son, and that's why he dotes on her because she's just like him. And since no one will want you in Bath, I'm sure you'd better stay here. I just wanted to think about the sort of contrast between the characters, and you've got mm. you've got those characters who are sort of vain and foppish and self-interested mm. and only interested in society mm. and mores and etiquette, and then. You have the wonderful people on the other side of the equation who are all for children being children and believing in life and being believing in togetherness. And the best examples of these are Admiral and Mrs. Cro- and Mrs. Croft, who I just love to bits. Amazing performances from John Woodvine and Fiona Shaw. I have crossed the Atlantic four times and I have been once to the East Indies and to different places around home. Um, Cork and Lisbon and Gibraltar but I was never in the West Indies we do not call Bermuda or Bahama the West Indies Mrs Musgrove as you know I do not think Mama's ever called them anything in the whole course of her life (laughs) 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 but did you never suffer any sickness Mrs Grove no the only time that I ever imagined myself unwell or had any ideas of danger was the winter that I passed on my own at Deal when the Admiral Captain Croft then was away on the North Seas (sighs) that I did not like but as long as we could be together nothing ever ailed me (sighs) not a thing uh, John Woodvine, never happy unless he's just a war. Yes! <laughs> Fire! <laughs> but very avuncular. Yes. But, I mean, I've been watching Fiona Shaw in, in Killing Eve, and she's oh, right. just as good then as she is now. And she's just, I think Mrs Croft, her her um, portrayal of Mrs Croft, I think, is one of the most perfect things in it, because she's so alive and enthusiastic 
and warm. There's not a lot of warm characters. No, and I think the scene which I love the most is when Anne's at one of those horrible society functions in in Bath and she runs across... Oh, is that, oh, is that where I wrote another fucking part? <laughs> and she ran across the screen to get to Admiral and Mrs Croft because they were kind of like her saviours from this awfulness. <laughs> um, yes, gorgeous characterization. Yes. And there's that scene where the Admiral plays with the kids on his knee and he doesn't care about no, being absolutely. boisterous and... It's just just beautifully avuncular, and of course, there's been all that stuff in the preamble about children in the house and yeah. and not wanting children in there. I mean, basically, I suppose we should explain that the 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 Elliot's country house has been because of this retrenching. He's had to give it up to rental to this this seaman. Yes, this this this, this uh, lesser this, being, this sailor. lesser human being. Yes, these lesser these sailors who who come back from the war wealthy. I'm never quite sure how they come back from the war wealthy, but I, I suppose that's the nature of things in them their days. But um, they either come back dead or healthy, um, or not. Don't come back dead. <laughs> you can come but, back uh, dead. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> dead or healthy? No, dead or wealthy. That was. <laughs> and uh, and so he's taking over their house, and and and, and the sulky, miserable. Workshire Fop family have had to are falling on lesser times and are having to remove themselves to Bath. Yes, or Bath if you or prefer. I don't prefer Bath. <laughs> Can I just tell you about how much I don't prefer Bath? This is this is going to be a bit of a um, a sidestep. But um, in 1993, I was in my final year at university, and my girlfriend at the Good. time, Karen, um, who had been my girlfriend all the way through university. Um, she was a year older than me and she did the same course and everything and she went off to do teacher training in the year when I was in my final year at Exeter and Mm -hmm. she was in Bath for that year and this solidified solidified my hatred of that city and the fact that I've Mm -hmm. never liked it and it's because I used to have to visit her there and the relationship was Mm -hmm. going on the rocks and she Mm -hmm. ended up seeing someone behind my back and I just associate it with a very unhappy time, so I don't like Bath, and I never will. There we go. Mm. Bath off the list. <laughs> I think I went for a day there. It rained. Oh. It rained a lot. Well, that's what they like say, isn't it? I that's what they say, isn't it? They say it, it forever rains in Bath, don't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it always rains in Bath. But raining in Bath is a key pop point, so we may have to come back to it, despite the fact we loathe the place. We loathe it. We hate it. No. No, I, I, I vaguely remember, the only thing I remember is, is going there for the day and doing the thing where you go round the Roman baths and it being absolutely... You, you couldn't social distance in that place. No. It was absolutely rammed with tourists, that's what I remember. So, a bit more background on the story. Anne, many years ago, has rejected the eligible and handsome Catherine Wentworth. Captain Wentworth. The, I know he said, the I know he said Catherine Wentworth, who's the villain in Dallas then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that would have made it an interesting it story. Like Catherine, Catherine Wentworth turning up to, to shoot Wentworth. Bobby again. Um. <laughs> they weren't meant for you. It was Bobby I wanted dead. You shot him in my office. I was sure you got him by mistake. Mistake? There was no mistake. I love him. Don't you understand that? I love him. He doesn't want me. He wants Jenna Wade. And before that, he wanted Pam. Sweet, darling Pam, who everybody just adores. Well, they're not going to have him. Neither one of them. <laughs> now I realise why Captain Wentworth has always sounded vaguely familiar to me. It's because I'm thinking of Captain Wentworth. 
anyway, um, right. she so, she is. Did they ever do a, a Dallas style version of, of Persuasion? They, 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 they should. should. They should. Um, Lady Russell is the persona who um, persuades. Ah, get the title Ooh. in there. Persuades Anne that she shouldn't marry Wentworth, and also yes. persuades her. Although this all happens years before. Ago. And she's this sort of character who's sort of like slightly eccentric, very interestingly feminist in the sense that she's kind of a very solitary, I'm a woman in my own right sort of person. She seems to have independent mm. means despite the fact that her husband appears to be dead. And that's all a bit... And she's taken it upon herself, hasn't she, to look after these yes. daughters of this fop. Yeah, and looking after Anne has resulted in her endless... Misery all Endless around. years of misery. <laughs> and... I have to say, I think of all the actors in it, I did think that Susan Fleetwood was perhaps the least... Maybe it's the part isn't very forgiving, but I was thinking of someone mm. like Harriet Walter would be better in that part, or someone just a bit mm. stronger. But um, She seems unrepentant. Yes, the other thing. very I much mean, so. That's, that's the, you know, later on, you know, she still seems to be telling her, no, don't do that, you'll make yourself miserable. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and I just I don't know it's it's a it's a very peculiar peculiar setup really you know that she has um, sort of managing these daughters to marry well I and mean, again you look at the whole of society now set up with basically to marry well seems to be the only option yeah if you see what I mean and and she basically seems to be like this this behind the scenes chess player trying to yes. place people with people. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, sort of Red Queen sort of character. Yes, very sort of like Machiavellian. Mm. But um, mm. yeah, but possibly not Machiavellian. I mean, she's, I imagine it's to, you know do think, thinking of the best for. Really, yes, no, you're right. Life. You're right. But I think that involves Machiavellian tendencies in order to make those decisions for her in a way. But you must see the aptness of the match. You would step into your dear mother's shoes as mistress of Kellynch. Anybody capable of thought must approve. Oh, he is very charming, but my instinct tells me instinct? that Instinct? This is no time for instinct. Look at the facts. The present Mr. Elliot is the most yes, eligible but what gentleman... what the past, you're... Mr. Elliot? Why has his character altered so completely? Why do I feel I know him so little? You do not know him? Oh, he is charming, he is clever, but I, I have never seen any burst of feeling, any warmth of fury or delight. You will come to know him. That is not what I want. But again, I think it's interesting from that point of view because you get the parallel story. I know, again, this is getting ahead of us. But there's a parallel story later on where another sea captain was supposed to get married before he went away. Captain Bennick. And didn't. Captain Bennick. And didn't. And then his, his, his intended sort of died while he was off yeah. gallivanting and making his fortune. Yeah. And he obviously he comes home to find this has happened and he it, it, he's full of regret and remorse for not having... Having been persuaded otherwise, or having persuaded her otherwise, and, and that, again, is just an interesting sort of parallel with well, would that possibly have been Anne's fate had that? I don't know happened. You know. Yeah. So the, I don't know because because I've not studied the, it, but I just feel no, that no. I just wonder whether those are parallel yeah, stories. Yeah, I think so. Um, he's that's definitely his function in the plot. It's another act of of not of, of unrequited love and the the impact of that. Well, I think actually, if you think about it in terms of if it if this was a knockabout comedy, which it patently isn't, although there are moments, but if it was a knockabout comedy, this this would be the this would be like planes, trains, and automobiles. It would be like the 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 ultimate goal is for them to get together, 
and on the way there are many many things get in the way yeah. of this happening and that's basically the plot you know lots of lots of things contrive to bugger it up for them until it finally does yeah. you know well isn't um, the american film clueless based on pride and prejudice or have i made that up mm, certainly based on one of them yes i can't remember which but there's a sort of it, 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 it might be based a tradition, isn't there? One of them might be based on a Shakespeare. Oh, it's based on Emma. It's based on Emma. That's yes. right. No, um, so there's a, there is a tradition to use these formats for big American movies, mm. but um, mm. yeah, updated. Mm. Um, I just should add, I've never seen an adaptation of Emma that I've enjoyed because it's just an awful book. Because Emma is an awful mm. lead character. So I've just there. I've said mm. it. We don't need to go there anymore. But Emma is not. My favourites, particularly when she's being played by flipping awful Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Sod off. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I almost wanted my money back at the cinema for that one. Oh right, okay, interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's, there's not be, there'll be letters <laughs> from the Gwyneth Paltrow Appreciation Society. They're going to join forces with that and please Dale's lot. <laughs> GPAS. <laughs> So you mentioned Benick and his fascination with poetry. Yes. And what I liked about mm. this particular adaptation was it wasn't allowing there to be like this, oh, there's all the poetry and the love and everything, and that's the most important thing. Mm. In fact, there's mm. kind of very much a message that that stuff was a bit up high in the sky and there's practicalities in life you have to deal with. Mm. And Anne is very practical and hard-nosed, actually. Mm. And although she could appreciate the same bits of poetry, she realised that poetry shouldn't lead you into being maudlin and self-obsessed like Benick was in danger of being but that made him a good match for Louisa in the end even though Louisa wasn't so mm. poetic yeah again there's uh, I mean there's there's a basically she basically tells him doesn't she uh, you know but there's also more to more to the world than just poetry yes. isn't there basically basically mm. on those lines and uh, and uh, as I, as I know, you have a, have a, have a history of, <laughs> of love for poetry. <laughs> I don't mind poetry, but Alex positively hates it. <laughs> so, so Captain Bennett could not have set his cap. Alex, no. <laughs> at your fair no, sister. No, I, I really don't think so. She'd have sworn in his face. <laughs> oh, she'd, she'd have rather jumped yeah, off a flight. She'd, she'd have stare. pushed him off the cob. <laughs> so... Getting to the cob, I can just see Alex jumping off the cob. By the way, um, that is the, the sort of like the key scene in the book. And I think if you're studying it, you can get a bit fed up of the cob and like thinking, "Oh, the Musgrove jumped from the cob and all that." Yeah, that's the main point. Mm. And indeed, I did realise that that was bound to be a question in the exam, so I, I studied it mm. remorselessly so I could write mm. in detail about this particular incident. But I have to say, I think they dealt, dealt with it very well here. So the scene is. Um, Louisa is after Wentworth um, Anne has been forced to go with them to Lyme, Lyme Regis um, on this little party this expedition I, I believe it's, a, it's supposed to be a treat for a her. treat for Anne <laughs> a, treat for, it's Anne's treat. a treat for Anne is always something that everyone else wants because she just has to go <laughs> along with but um, Louisa is impetuous and impulsive and all those I words and she decides to jump off the cob so that Wentworth will catch her. So, you know, he's literally falling for her and mm. jumping into his arms. And he catches her once, and then she runs back up to do it again, and he's not there to catch her. And there's a tremendous thump noise, isn't there? <laughs> Which I found really pleasing. 
catch me. Louisa, be careful. <laughs> there. Louisa, it's too high, Louisa. Louisa, Louisa it's too high. Louisa, Louisa, that's too high. I am determined, Captain. Louisa, do not be so foolish! Louisa! <laughs> <laughs> and there was a, no, the, the thing you found displeasing is there was only one foot. <laughs> It's, um, I think they did it very well, actually. You think, oh, God, that was actually serious. She's probably hurt herself there. <laughs> well, yes. <clears throat> and this is in a time where, where such things were could be life-threatening. Yes, particularly as yeah, all... There's, all there's, no, there's no ER all, to, to run Yeah, and all they'll do is just sort of, like, what, bloodlet or put some leeches on her face or something, probably. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Luckily, she was wearing a crash bonnet. <laughs> a crash bonnet. A reinforced so she's, bonnet. She's not mortally wounded. Although it takes her many weeks of of actually being ill in a bed to to um, to finally fall for Captain Bennett. Yeah. And uh, whereas obviously uh, Mary would have been in, I don't know. <laughs> that would have been she'd have been a cripple for life. Yeah. But what I loved was all that stuff about how um, you know, all that stuff about Anne wanting to stay and look after her. And Mary suddenly wants to stay. She wants to be seen as the person who's. Oh, it's oh, all of that. Well, that, that contrasts beautifully when her own son falls out of the tree. <laughs> yes. She's like, oh, but can I still go after the dinner? Yes, why not? Oh, great. There's, there's a party. <laughs> there's a party where, where, where Captain Wentworth's there. And oh, gosh, gosh. And, oh, 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 my son's ill. Oh, boy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and, and you're not staying at home with him, father of son. No, bloody not. It's not man's work. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the lovely Simon Russell Beale. Yes. It's quite a fun park. But, um, yes, so eventually the action moves to Bath, does it not? Bath! Where all that Sir Walter and Elizabeth Elliot want to do is be months. introduced into the company of Lady de Wimple, as they keep calling her, de, de Wimple, oh. <laughs> and her daughter. And yes. I love the fact they don't, get lo- they don't really get lines, do they, those characters? They're just sort of just there being <gasps> important. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Uh, I mean, it tells you so much about how things are still. Yes. Um, I mean, this is this is the fascinating thing for me is actually you you start. I mean, uh, like I say, I really enjoyed it, but there are things in this that you make you think things haven't changed, have they? And this is and this is how some of these folk really think the world should still be. You know, everybody should just dote on you and 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 tug their bloody forelocks or pull off their wig or whatever they have to do, yeah. and. And and just be in the presence of our Majesty because what what we we were born and have some money yeah. and, and born to and have some money and and look at our pretty frocks and and it's all so shallow and it's all so bloody vacuous and you kind of find yourself thinking uh, I mean especially with with old Lord Elliot yeah uh, you know Sir Walter as it were. You know, it's everything with him is about who you know and who you see, and and people still believe this is the way the world works, and who you're seen with, and to be in the presence of, and to be. Oh, God, I hate these people. <laughs> Sir Walter Elliot, late of Kellynch Hall. Lady Russell. Miss Elizabeth Elliot. Miss Anne Elliot and Mrs. Clay. 
and Mrs. Clay. But they are sent up so well that you, the drama is telling you this is not the way to be in life. Then the drama is basically saying you need true connections with people. You need to live. You need to to not be funny about the different stratas in society. Now Anne is interesting in the in the book and in the adaptation because she's able to navigate any strata of society and she doesn't care how much money someone has or who they are. And her relationship with the rather dreadful faced Mrs. Smith is <laughs> a good example. Well it also I mean it does contrast beautifully, beautifully with um uh the house of uh Captain Harville or Harville. Harville, yeah. It, at, at, at Lyme where they go to see this very humble yes. home and it's just a joyous family yes home. yes and they're all really happy you know yes. even even though they have their their sad captain mate living yeah. with them you know they're actually a, and, and and the way that mary looks at the house as they are because it's a humble shack on the seashore it really is <laughs> really. but they're so joyful you know, when they go in there aren't they apart from yeah. apart from mary who's like what the hell <laughs> Yes. Like, what, what madness is this? Yes. Why what, am I what, here? What pigsty have I been bought? Why to? has no one taken my coat or, or indeed my bonnet? Mm. Is that the scene where she wants the toast, or is that a different scene? I don't remember. It's where where they're all having breakfast, and he says, "Kip us for breakfast," and she goes, "I like some toast and jam." <laughs> and and then the scene ends with her going, "Where's my where's my toast?" <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. She's just a lovely, lovely. I mean, she's summed up by "Where's my toast?" I think. Uh, yeah, if you if you felt there should be Austin T-shirts, that would be it. For yeah. Me. Um, yeah. And of course, <clears throat> uh, Robert Glenister um, always gives good value. Of course. Yeah. He he only but, really um, gets one scene, doesn't he, by the window with Anne later on, where he actually. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But to... that, he comes back yeah. later on, and he is, and it's such a beautiful Isn't scene it? where. Where oh. the captain had had this his likeness made as a what are they called not a miniature isn't it the what are they called a cameo the is it cameo yeah. for for his his late sister yeah. and and now he was having he was having to have it sort of set for another woman and and the and the tragedy in that is beautifully played I, I love that let me just observe that all histories are against you all stories prose and verse. I don't think I ever opened a book in my life which did not have something to say on women's fickleness. But they were all written by men. I suppose so. <laughs> if I could only make you understand what a man suffers when he takes a last look at his wife and children and watches the boat that he has sent them off in as long as it's in sight and then turns away and says, God knows whether we'll ever meet again. If I could only show you... The glow of his soul when he does see them once more. When, coming back after a twelve-month, perhaps, and obliged to put into another port, he calculates how soon he can get them there, pretending to deceive himself and saying they cannot be here till such a day, but all the while hoping for them twelve hours sooner. And seeing them arrive at last, as if heaven had given them wings. Oh, I believe you're capable of everything great and good. So long as, if I may, so long as the woman you love lives and lives for you, all the privilege I claim for my own sex, and it's not a very enviable one, you need not covet it, is that of loving longest when all hope is gone. 
And it's a really mm. nice point that Jane Austen was redressing the fact that men, women had only been written about by men up to this point. And mm. therefore, that's how they've been perceived and portrayed. But the reality is something different. And I think it's just mm. a really nice touch that that is, is presented. That's the way the, you get the we do not forget you as soon as you forget us. Yes. Yeah. This idea that somehow... Um, yeah, women forget men quicker than men forget women, all that mm. stuff, yes. Mm. And it's in that way, there's a very equality, there's a theme of equality that runs through it, is that, mm. in, and I think that's one thing I've always liked about persuasion, is that men and women are actually perhaps not that dissimilar, and they actually can care at that same deep level, and they are still, mm. for years, dwelling on things that have happened, and, well, you know... Again, this is one of the things that, as as a culture, you know, not wanting to get sort of too, we we we've started to like to pigeonhole everybody. Yeah. You know, men have to be this, women have to be this, and and one of the reasons there are so much tensions is the people who don't want to be pigeonholed are screaming out, and because they can have a voice now, and you know. You know they don't like to be pigeonholed, but people really want you to say, "Oh, well, you're a man." You, you. It's like this whole thing that, uh, "Oh, you're a bloke. You don't understand these things," or "You're a bloke. You never do the washing yeah. up," or "You're you know, you're a bloke. You will always leave the seat up." Or there's a lot. Of, <laughs> well, there's a honestly, lot of that you goes on. And only course, have to have my mother staying here for more than twenty four hours, and she just hates mm. all men, and I just get it in the neck mm. with all this crap about mm. things mm. that men do and things. But I I'd like to think mm. it's an older generation thing. Um, certainly I think what I like about culture and society today is it's saying it's okay for men to cry and to, to admit that they have mental health mm. problems and mm. not to let, keep it all mm. in and, and I think that's really but healthy the, but part of the backlash now you know in the same way that people have this backlash against um, political correctness or whatever yeah. is, is that people are, are suddenly saying well it wasn't like that in my day and you think well yeah but like your day was yes. shit we don't Quite want frankly, your day you know? because people suffered in yeah. silence and had miserable mm. lives. Mm. And, you know, and, and ultimately uh, I, it just goes to show really sort of going back to this, because this was, when was, when was the book written? Oh, 1820, something, something like that. Set in around 1820, yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't it? So it's, it's slight, it's pre-Victorian, yeah, isn't definitely. it? So sort of restoration, restoration era. So, so it's kind of, you know, people back then, you know, we're, we're already saying this and here we are nearly 200 years later, uh, well, 200 years later, yeah. and it's it's exactly the bloody same. You know, people say, oh, no, you can't be that. Oh, you know, you can't, you're, 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 just pull yourself together. You can't have mental health issues. You're a bloke. But I do yeah, think that, that is changing. And, and I do think it's very recent. It's the last five years. And I think, I know it sounds really strange, but one book that I thought was really important was Robert Webb's book, which was about how, mm. you know, it's okay to cry if you're a man. And there's a lot of elements in that I thought was, mm. oh, wow, this is really good that this is being said. And I think there's mm. a lot of people um, that are, are trying to make it clear that that gender mm. isn't so, shouldn't be so conforming. And Oh, absolutely. I, I just feel that there is... There is still, there's, still there's voices. Sort of backlash. There's still voices, yes. Yeah. And it's all these people who are anti-snowflake as well, aren't mm. they? Like, that he peers more than all that well whatever they want to call it yes. you know. but uh, yeah so they, that's kind of interesting to see, to see sort of society still having these tensions so obviously these things are always with us and 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 you know this lone voice trying to say well you know we're not all women are like this and not all men are like yeah. this and you know and I mean, again to have uh, Glenister's 
character being the kind of you know because i mean he obviously loves his family and his wife and he and that, that that's that speech he gives about when you're in a port and you're missing and you're wondering how soon yeah um your wife can be with you and all this kind of thing and that's 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 deep when when of course the the cliche of the sailor you know girl in every port is yes the other side of that coin yeah. you know so it, it is it is the people the people are not going to be pigeonholed because people are all unique individual and have a different take on absolutely everything and we and instead of just going no you're wrong i think this and that's what's right because i think it which is what you get an awful yeah. lot of these days you need you know people are just yeah okay you think differently i think differently we'll agree yeah. to differ what happened to we'll agree to differ? Yeah, it's right. astonishing but i think that's a really important point for this adaptation and this in this book as well is that um the people who are celebrated are those people who are being individuals and are happy to be different and the people who most mm. um emphasize this this trait is um is the smiths mm. and the fact that they go to sea together mm. and he won't she won't be parted from him and the only time she's mm. been unhappy was when she was left home at deal and he had to go out to sea mm. and Anne mm. and Wentworth ultimately when they get together they decide that um, they will be like the Smiths and take that individual mm. approach of like well we're not going to be like everyone else we're going to go to sea together and that's how it's going to be we should um, add as well at this point that we are introduced to a, a new character um, who is Mr Elliot who is a cousin who is played by Samuel West with big hair and uh, oily oily Samuel yes and he's mm. he is as is he meets them doesn't he, he? it's an austin trope that you always have a, a dashing understanding type of twat. who is actually <laughs> yes an an evil <laughs> turd who was self-interested who it's, usually is gambled yes. um i mean the one in the one in sense and sensibility i can't remember his name but it's the one but greg wise played but um there's oh, always right. this sort of character and okay He's played quite, I think, beautifully by Sam West because in a quite an early role, and you do think to, for a start, oh, he actually might be one of these. He's a bit like the Crofts. He kind of speaks his mind mm. and he's nice about stuff. But the reality, thanks to the connection with Mrs. Smith, is revealed that he is he is a wastreling green a scoundrel, <laughs> a scoundrel, a scoundrel. <laughs> yeah, a bounder, perhaps. A bounder. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Jack and Apes. Yeah. What's that one? What's that <laughs> like one from Town to Wang Chiang? That's the other one I like, but I can't remember what it is. He's a blackguard. Who's a blackguard? I don't know who's a blackguard. Some slavering, gangrenous vampire comes out of a sewers and stalks a city at night. He's a blackguard. This character is introduced as a as yet another potential rival to our ongoing love story. I mean, when you think about it, um, Wentworth himself doesn't ar arrive till twenty nine minutes into the film. No, and initially, Kira, Kira. And initially, you only see his back because that's which I thought was clever because it's like this is as much as kind of Anne can possibly see of him because we're mm. not invited to that dinner party, are we? He's just there with his back to the audience, so we we think he's mm. mysterious, mm. enigmatic, indeed, all those things. And in fact, no one seems to really even remember that, that Anne ever, ever met him. I know that's because Anne is so unimportant to them that they have no memory of anything she's ever done, has ever talked to, or anything. <laughs> I love it after she packs up the whole house, the old hall, and there's that line from mm. Mary, which is. What can you possibly have had to do there? Oh, I <laughs> she's like, she's exhausted. She's exhausted from having cleared up the whole property so that the crowds can move in. Oh, brilliant! 
so any, anyway, she meets Mr. What what could you have had to do? Yeah. That was it. What could you have yeah. had to do? Miss Mr. Elliot. And, and, What's and, there going? There's a, just also another line where where it was it's about cake and she had more cake than is good for. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh yes, that's one of the best scenes, isn't it? Is when um, Anne is being used as a sounding board or a listening post by everyone in that room. Everybody. And yes. every single character yeah. comes up to her to complain about Mary. And then Mary comes yeah. up to complain about everyone else. And it's just so brilliantly yeah. done. I'll play a bit of that in. My dear, I make it a rule of never interfering in my daughter-in-law's concerns. But I have to tell you, I have no very good opinion of the way Mary curbs her children. Oh, they are fine, healthy boys. But Lord, bless me, how troublesome they can be. Mrs Musgrove is forever advising me on the care of little Charles and Waldo, yet she gives them so many sweet things to eat, they invariably come home sick. Moreover, how am I supposed to keep them in order when their father spoils them so much? I could banish the boys very well were it not for Mary's interference. And I wish you could persuade her not to be always fancying herself ill. It is a very bad thing to be visited by children whom one can only keep in tolerable order by more cake than is good for them. Could you possibly, whilst you are here, give Mary a hint that it would be better if she were not so very tenacious about taking precedence over Mama? I mean, nobody doubts her right to take precedence over Mama, but it's not becoming of her always to insist on it. <laughs> Mama doesn't care about etiquette. It's the People are apt to forget whose daughter I am. When you have a moment, you must speak to Charles Anne and persuade him that I am very, very ill. Oh, Anne. Oh, it's just so. It positions. It does two wonderful things. It shows you how Anne is regarded and used by everyone, but it also gets you to understand the characters of everyone present. So it's brilliantly done. Yeah. So well written and directed. Yeah. Is, is that is that resemble anything? I, honestly, I have no that? memory. I because because as a, as a lesson in adaptation, it's 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 have the one character related to by all the others in a series of fast cuts, and it is it is breathtaking. Yeah. Really. It's it's 1989 since I read Persuasion, I'm afraid. So no, mm. I don't remember. But uh, I remember being thinking at the time, oh, this is faithful. This has got all the main plot points. And of course, when you're adapting something like this, you have to decide. It's an hour and four minutes. Shit, Persuasion's quite a long book. <laughs> so we'll mm. have to put in the key incidents, and we'll cut some characters that are less important. But honestly, I don't mm. think it it loses much because I just think. There was so much more on retrenchment and there was so much more in Bath High Society that it's just meant to make you hate mm. Bath. And I think you get that anyway without mm. any of that, all that detail. The, the, it's interesting, again, if you look at the, the one hour, 40 minute uh, film drama, you mm. know, basically the two hour drama that loses 20 minutes for adverts like like Morse yeah. or Poirot or, you know, it's actually, it, it had become, that running time had pretty much become the norm. For because I mean a few of the the Morse books were adapted, you yeah. Know, it, it, so I think I think it's actually become, it became the standard length for book adaptations for a yeah. while. 
So actually, I suspect that the you know people were learning the tricks of it by then. Well, yes. Well, you were saying about selling to America, they would probably have to make sure it was an hour and forty for that, wouldn't they? For adverts, mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we haven't talked about the casting of Kieran Hines and Amanda Root. Now, no. I do think that they're excellent as Anne and Wentworth, and hmm. and I like the fact that I don't think it's very showy casting at the time because neither of them were particularly well known. I mean, Kieran no. Hines went on to do Hornblower, didn't he? And Amanda Root was in Foresight Saga. Was he in yes. Hornblower? Something like that. Uh, I don't know. I, strangely enough, I do. I do know he was in um, Cold Lazarus. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Which, uh, and of course, had had a bit of a, a bit of a life as a as a Hollywood villain. Uh -huh. I think. A couple. But of I films. think there's there's but, something about so, this casting that wouldn't happen now, which we touched on with the mm -hmm. Marple as well, was that you're casting mm -hmm. people who are more about the character, the character actors, rather than casting names, because now. Yes. I mean, again, you'd have Catherine Tate as Elizabeth Elliot, wouldn't you? And you'd mm. have—I don't know who you'd have as Anne, but it'd be someone more obvious. And it's just—I yes. like the casting then that was just more like, well, Britain's got all these wonderful actors. Let's use them in different roles, mm. and it's much. There's an awful lot of stage actors in this. Yeah, uh, people. I mean, when you actually sort of look into their backgrounds, most of them have done a lot of stage, but not that much. Yeah, you know, not not a comparative amount of telly, as so we say, some of the more well-known yeah. people. You know, obviously, John Woodvine did telly for donkey's years Robert Glenister but but I mean for, for example if you look at Amanda Root's career it didn't really take off in the same way no you know it she's done a lot of appearances but they're all sort of one-offs in all these other series that you know the what do you call it uh you know the the Bergeracki kind of yeah I and mean, she had that know, big role in the Foresight Saga but that's about it hmm. yes hmm. um it's interesting as well. I I I, I did I, I don't I, I tactfully trying to sort of steer around the subject, but it's interesting because this I think is about the end of the um, the the. It's not a very diverse cast. No, indeed. You know, I mean, I I, I mean, there are there there are sort of uh, people from sort of different uh, ethnic backgrounds sort of playing. Yes, there are two two, very, two very black footmen the for Lady Dalrymple, yes. and that's just oof. But um, you, no, you're right because that's it's a very white. It, it wouldn't have cast, been cast that way now. You would definitely have some no. people of color amongst it, and they sh and you absolutely should because I think you have to positively discriminate. You have to positively put these people out in roles and and. But that that surprised me watching it. Right. now. I was kind of expecting expecting a more diverse cast than we had. I mean, to be fair, I mean in terms of Austin, maybe you know the. I mean, because you've got a lot of obviously family connections, so you know. But um, you kind you kind of wonder where where those characters might have been. But you imagine that they would have they would have made the effort now to. I mean, I know. think possibly Captain Bennett could be of colour quite easily. Yes, that's what and I mean. Yes, they possibly could have even gone further with Mrs. Smith, and yes. that and had that character as a person of colour to make that you know more of a, a an issue yes. that she's associating. But I haven't seen the ninety and uh, the two thousand and seventeen one, which has Sally Hawkins no. as as the part. And I was thinking it'd be really interesting to see how they cast that. But I haven't looked into that. Mm. No. But you're right. It's a bit outside yeah, our reach. But it's it? very but yes, white. It's, uh, very white. Yeah. And and again, I suspect that's probably the the very back end of that kind of that kind of yes casting choice for that kind of thing. Now again, I know there's this idea of. Of Austin's world would have been very, you know, very of you know very very sort of sort of white, but 
but nevertheless. I mean, you've got lovely actors in this, like David Collings. Yeah. You know, how, however briefly, you know. But uh, the, the double actors, Smith and Rook. Oh, well, they're lovely. They, they sit together at the screen all the time, don't they? They're kind of together on the screen. I love mm. that. Oh, why does the whole town suffer this dreadful misapprehension that I shall marry him? Well, I mean, shan't you? No. Oh. oh, I have to say I'm relieved to hear it. Why? Because did you never wonder why a man who for years had held the honour of your family as cheap as dirt, who showed not the slightest interest in the baronetcy or the Kellynch estate, should suddenly show such interest? What do you know? I was at Colonel Wallace's yesterday and I chanced to hear him complain to his wife that Mr Elliot required another loan. But he is rich. <laughs> he was rich. He has lost it. His style of life is a sham. He lives on borrowed money. Are you saying he pays his attentions to me because he... he wants the title? He wants the land. He heard of your sister's friend, Mrs Clare. Who is hoping perhaps to become the next Lady Elliot. And who knows, to provide Sir Walter with a son. An heir. So, if he marries you, he gains some footing in the family and exerts his influence on your father and... and keeps his inheritance. But why did you say nothing of this before? We have only just learnt it. How despicable. I feel. I feel they could have had a. They could have had a, a big finish spin-off. Indeed, absolutely. <laughs> Mrs. Smith and Nurse Rook investigate. <laughs> yes. Investigate the goings on in Bath. Strange goings on. Oh, they know all your secrets. <laughs> um, because that basically is how how Elliot well, is found out. How yeah. the, how uh, how the Elliot the Elliot boys torpedoed. Yeah. Now, I just want to draw attention to one of my favourite scenes in the whole thing is when okay. she meets Mr. Elliot in Bath. Not in Bath. In, um, oh, yes. in Lyme. Bath. In, Ly- in Bath Lyme. Bath with three R's. Actually. Oh, in yeah, Lyme. And then she goes yes. to Bath and tells her father and her sister Elizabeth that she's, oh, that he's <laughs> seen, she's seen him. And, and Elizabeth has the... Oh, just idiocy to say, it might have been, perhaps, and she wasn't even there. <laughs> she's like she's oh, no. she's judging on whether how can you possibly have had a more interesting yes, life than me? it might have been perhaps no mm. you were there you D- don't know. dismiss what people say oh, I know oh. Mr Elliot is not ill looking at all Mr Elliot our cousin mm, Mr Elliot been most attentive during our time in Bath he's come to call on us every day he's a most engaging friend Colonel Wallace. But I thought... We may see him this afternoon, and then you shall perceive Anne what a gentleman he is. And such fine manners. I saw him, in fact, in Lyme. <laughs> saw whom? Mr Elliot. We met by chance at Lyme. Perhaps it was Mr Elliot. It was. Well, I don't know. It might have been. Perhaps. She is, a, she is, a, Elizabeth is an absolutely ghastly, ghastly, ghastly yes. character. I mean, she is basically her father's daughter. Yes. You know, and I mean, you could argue that she has replaced his wife in many ways. Yeah. Uh, yes. in, in terms of heading, head of the household or whatever. I mean, she, but she's actually, uh, considering everyone's going on about, you know, Anne not being married, she's two years, she's older, isn't she? She's her older mm. sister, so, you know. <laughs> And of course, this whole thing is the whole of society is whether or not she's going to accept the proposal from this this bloody Elliot yes. bloke, 
you know, and that's and she's drifting around this party, being ignored by everybody, yeah. and they're all and they're, and 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 you just pull, and and it's like this whole thing is a big fuck you to the yes, and it's one. I really, it's really pleasing. It's so pleasing, isn't it? And I, th- I do think there's a real yeah. good ooh moment of thinking, yes, sod you all. Yeah, I do yeah. think it's one of those dramas where you really do get behind her as a character, the central character. She's a, she's a heroine, and you really care about her, and. Mm. It's an easy way in for the viewer, I guess, to identify with her mm. plight. Yeah. And just because she's treated so abominably by everyone. Well, yes, yeah, there's proper Cinderella system, Yeah, really, I guess. You know, uh, I have to say the one bit of direction yeah. that I didn't enjoy was mm. during the scene in which she, she meets him in the street after he's proposed and she accepts. And, she oh, accept. yeah. and you've got that bloody carnival going by. And it yes. just felt too much. It felt too deliberate, and I didn't add anything to it. it. I I think they must have had a couple of hundred grand. Yes, left in the and thought let's have a carnival scene yeah. in the background. <laughs> and it's like why? Just to make it visually interesting, because it serves no. I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple of sort of allusions to these things early on, but generally speaking, you've got this whole. Bonkers car. And is it just so that they can do this and nobody notices because they're all looking at the car? I think so. And I think it's it's about that continued sort of like her continued invisibility almost. But no, I, I don't know. I think there's more about. I think because the carnival buggers off around the corner and they just walk down the empty street. I think street it's also like, about how people are drawn to the to the bright and the garish and to the obvious, mm. but they're not like that. I no. think that's the other message. But I think it's just a bit too blunt and a bit too deliberate to work so it's, your, it's your visual metaphor it's, isn't it? It's it's a visual in it yeah yeah in it in it yeah. like in it melt <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> 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 uh. As at the end of the story is such beautifully restrained filmmaking. You literally see her writing a letter yeah. in a in, in a cabin. She she stands up and walks through a door, and she's on the deck of yes. the ship. Yes, <laughs> you know, and that's all that needs to be said. They they go there. She goes up to the whatever, not knowing me bits of ships, but the back bit yeah. where the wheel is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the poop deck. Perhaps <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she pops up to the poop deck. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> But anyway, she pops up there, and that's it. Now that there's a bit of an embrace, pull back, end of film, and it's and that's all. It's enough. Know, basically, isn't it? they, they he they he came in. He did his proposal to, you know, yeah. <laughs> to what on earth yes. for, or whatever, and for. whatever for and the whole the whole the whole of Bath society is shocked, and we. Well, they haven't even noticed Anne but, before at the party. They don't even realise she's there. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, we seem to have reached the end of the story. Um, yes. Any, what have we learned? What have we learned? What tell me? What, tell what me what you've learned, about... Martin. Um, I, I'm I'm fascinated really because I mean there are actually lots of moments that we haven't touched on. You know, there's like the, the horrible walk oh, over the to the walk is so pleasing, isn't it? Um, yeah. Where, where and, and where where they have a bit of a domestic where she says, "I'm not going to visit them in their horrible little yes. house." Thank you very much. <laughs> And and husband goes prancing off, and then one of them comes back because she's looking for excuses to be alone with Wentworth, yes. and and they go off to pick berries or yes. whatever it is that the euphemism is, and <laughs> and uh, and then and then of course uh, 
uh, and is given a lift home by the Admiral and his wife. Because, his... because Wentworth realises, he notices that she's tired, and it's that that's a mm. crucial turning point as well, isn't it? That he notices Indeed. that, and he cares. And of course, that's... And he pushes her into the carriage, so they get a bit of a bit of bit of physical a bit of a bit, bit of, of frottage, <laughs> bit of bit of bit of bit of bit of hand on arse. I, <gasps> I don't think it's on his on her ass. That wouldn't be allowed in Jane Austen's day. I think it's on her arse. There seemed to be there seemed to be well maybe not in the book, but there was certainly a close. <laughs> there was not a close of his hand on her ass. It was on his <laughs> her arm. You're making oh maybe you're making up your own stories, Martin. <laughs> not in Jane Austen. Not in the not oh, in the anyway, parlour. <laughs> there was certainly some touching anyway yes there was lingering shots of touching but the brief touching yeah, smouldering yes. yeah. yeah. <sighs> <laughs> um, but also um, and I, I, I found the whole thing uh, abs- absorbing I, 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 the other thing I was fascinated I, I did think you would touch on this because I, cause I know you have opinions on oh, yeah. it but I, I, did, I did think that in the lime sequences I thought you might have uh, some opinions on, on their idea of beachwear Oh, I don't even recall. So there you go. Ah, oh, just when they when they go to the seaside, yeah. they're all basically. I mean, personally, obviously, I feel that you know, a tweed suit is is the minimum you should wear on the on the beach, but um, that's just me. Um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, and of course, the thing that fascinates me about work. I mean, if again, if we were doing dress for success, <laughs> yeah, there there does seem to be a thing, and I don't know whether this was just the nature of the times. But all the military people seem to be in their uniforms all the time. All the bloody time. Is it just so? We know who the no, sailors are. No, I think are. that's true of how it would be. I think that was just people mm. having limited clothing, and then you know they would mm. wear that, and that would be their showing their position all the time. I think. But those massive hats that those captains, oh, I know. Were, those captains' Wonderful. hats were. Well, the admiral were. hats as well. Yeah, I can't imagine how they any kept them on their heads at sea yeah. when the wind was blowing because they're just like a sail on their head. It was really funny because John said at one point, "Is this is this anything to do with Napoleon or is it that era?" And we said no, and then it was <laughs> like, "Oh God, we don't know our history. That's bad." <laughs> oh well, it was it was just just after. Oh, I should say he, yeah, he's he's on yeah, Elba. <laughs> I should say that John, who was twelve, watched it and loved it. Not all the way through. Yeah. He was a bit bored in place. He said, "Are we watching all of it?" And then we got to the end of it, and he was like, oh, that was really good, actually. So I'm pleased that it worked for him. Mm. Um, we should add that it got the best single drama BAFTA in 1996. So mm-hmm. it was considered award-worthy. So, well, that's yes. good. We like awards, well, don't we? we do if we're not editing podcasts about awards, but that's, <laughs> that's ancient history now, as far as Indeed. the listeners are concerned. Let's hope so. <laughs> yes, unless I'm still <laughs> pretending that it's coming soon. Um, okay. But there's also, I mean, there's a whole thing, I think, generally speaking, and, and I do think uh, one of one of the, the key the key thing, I mean, you could argue that the, there is the nature of fate is at, at play throughout this thing, but also uh, this whole thing about bloody families... Or how dreadful families are. Oh, just yeah. yeah. I mean, just dreadful, dreadful, dreadful families. But also, you know, there's this. Oh God, people. People are dreadful. <laughs> but then again, if you if you're if you're you know, the point is though that this will all come off the page. So this, I mean, I, I say I've never I've, I've I've not read Austin. I've not read you know the the um, 
the, the Brontes. I've not read any of these 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 books at all. They just they they, were, they never appeal to me. But I'm kind of thinking actually, much like Shakespeare, all human life is there if you know where well, to look for it. And these are, these are still stories for the time. I would recommend yeah. reading Persuasion. It's really quite an easier mm. read than you'd imagine, and mm. the characterisation and the wit in it is just mm. brilliant. So I do. Oh, yeah, it's 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 not that I, I just I just assumed it wouldn't be my kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not it's not. I've 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 not really been much of a one for the romances. No. You know, over the years, you know. But and, Austin's uh, got Austin's actually, got a darker edge though to it often. Yeah. 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 I might see. We've probably got a copy somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, it was it was read for an O level. Read for an O level. <laughs> at some point, it'll be in one of these boxes. Yeah. You know. What else was I going to say? There was. The, there was no. There was. There were just some other. Um, there were some other things I had scribbled down. Which. Which. Um, yes, I. I did think and the scenes in the rain in Bath. You know the scene in the coffee shop. Yes. The coffee shop scene, is gorgeous. You know how you've got the the two sisters. No, it's not the sister. Even it's her friend. Mrs. Clay. And they're yes. in their. In their fa- In their finery. Yes. In that coffee shop. Yeah. Or cake shop, or yeah, yeah, whatever, and 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 is not dolled up, and all that stuff about oh she's wearing big boots. She could, oh, yes, exactly. You know, and then she goes off because she just spots the broken-hearted because of his his relationship has allegedly broken up. You know, uh, and she found this out because of the admiral taking her for a nice little walk past a strange man climbing a ladder in the middle of the street. Yes, um, I noticed him. Yeah, but uh, the admiral is basically the admiral knows everything, doesn't he? He, he, he says, "Ah, oh, yes. he, he knows, he knows." He probably had, he probably had old Wentworth going on at him all the time as they went round the hall. Yeah, it's like she's on about ever. bloody Anne again. On oh, about this bloody girl <laughs> <laughs> who he's still obsessed with. But oh, he dead. And uh, anyway, so, and they came back to England. They said, oh, "I'll, I'll just shut him up. I'll get them together." The whole thing is organised by. Oh, uh, okay, that's, that's a good, good idea. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, so she's in this bucketing down coffee shop, and she spots him walking down the street with the umbrella of doom. And he has this he has this umbrella, yeah. and he comes into the shop. She and she manages to contrive to meet yes. him, and he's and she's in the process of basically quite 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 forwardly for such a young lady, <laughs> sort of trying to persuade him to uh, walk her home when when evil bloody Elliot turns. Yes, up again. the turd. And you, are you in health? <laughs> I'm very well indeed, thank you, Captain. Lady Durham pulls carriage for the Miss Elliots. You're not going too? There is no room, I shall walk. But it's raining. Oh, very little, nothing that I regard. I, I like to walk. Though I only got here yesterday, I'm already armed for bath. <laughs> Please, take it. So sorry to have kept you waiting. Shall we set off? The rain is eased. Good morning, Captain. The turd, and suddenly there's a whole exchange of umbrellas thing going yeah. on. Which I'm sorry, I think the, the umbrellas are representative because when you realise later, when he comes back to drop, because uh, he has written her a note to, to express his love, hasn't he, yeah. uh, Captain? And when he comes back to accidentally slide the letter onto the table. <laughs> 
he's come back for the very same umbrella. The umbrella is key to the entire plot, and I believe it's the Admiral's well, umbrella. Well, can I tell you a bit about some other umbrella pottage? Um, not in Ooh. this, though, but umbrellas are key to the aforementioned Howard's End, because in uh-huh. Howard's End, at the music recital, Helena Bonham Carter, who, whose character, um, what's she called? Schlegel, anyway, her surname Schlegel. Okay. Uh, she is and I quote, forever stealing people's umbrellas. <laughs> and she steals <laughs> Samuel West's umbrella in Howard's oh, End. And he has to... He's got four. And he has, to go through the, he has to go through the rain in order to get his umbrella back from her and visits the yeah. Schlegel household and from whence the drama came. But um, oh. umbrellas are very important in, in these period dramas. Um, if you'll pardon me, miss, you took my umbrella. Quite inadvertently, I'm sure. At the Ethical Hall... Music and meaning. I'm so sorry. Um, I do nothing but steal umbrellas. Do come in and choose one. It's all right, Annie. Well, let's see. Is yours a hockey or a nobbly? Mine's a nobbly. At least I think it is. No, that's Tiffany's. How about this one? Suppose you really have to open these things indoors. Oh, well, never mind. No, it's all gone along the seams. It's an appalling umbrella. It must be mine. I'm so sorry. Has my sister stolen your umbrella? Oh, not again, Helen. She is an incorrigible thief. I am so sorry. I say, do stay for tea, Mr... Bass. Mr Bass, won't you stay for tea? Oh, yes, do stay for tea, Mr Bass. It's the least we can do, having made you all wet. Our brother's upstairs, so you'll have a chaperone. So sometimes an umbrella is just an umbrella. But often, it's very much more. <laughs> um, often it's a telescopic yes. umbrella. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a man from his umbrella. Uh, oh, absolutely. And uh, I did. I did want to to just give a nod because there is uh, at, at the at the god awful um, god awful party where all the social climbers are circling yes. and 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 the dear old captain says, "No, I'm here for a, a, a lecture on navigation." <laughs> sarcasm. There's a lot of real deep cutting <laughs> sarcasm. Ah, oh, there's some brilliant, brilliant lines in it, most of which I'll have to cut in to get the running time up this time. No, we don't need to. <laughs> but no. But no, it's um. But the, the there is actually a very very beautifully played uh, because the, the song, the, you know, the, the actual uh, song, song that she yes. misses because he has a sulk yeah. and stomps off. That is a beautiful love song that she wants him to yeah. hear. It's just, again that's beautifully shot. If you ever think about um, Barry Lyndon and how there's all that stuff about uh, how it was shot with real, they had to get special film and special cameras. So that Kubrick could film it in natural right. light, so all the candles yeah. were were you know, so you could still see the faces in candlelight and all this kind of thing. And you actually look at, at this, which is mm, filmed about twenty years later. You can see how technology is made, because that scene is is beautifully dark, yes, but beautifully lit. You know, when I, I know it's I know it's screen two and I know it's for telly, but actually, as as a piece of television. It looks expensive. It looks like money's been spent on it, and it's and it's gorgeously it shot. And it, apart from obviously, yeah, it, it's got a starkness to it and a sort of a realism to it that I liked. And it just feels cold. It feels a bit dank in certain areas. And yeah, it's 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 very nicely shot. It's becoming more difficult, I think, for for television companies generally to make. Accurate. I mean, some of these places when they use actual locations, yeah, they the it's becoming less and less possible to use the actual place. I mean, so so often they go off to Hungary to film for France or whatever, 
because so much development's gone on, you know, again, because let's take away the planning laws. No. Um, well, a great but, example, you know, a great example is Singapore for Tenko. They just managed to film raffles and all that in in Singapore, literally as buildings mm. were being torn down in the third series of Tenko. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's the same kind of thing, you know, the, the, the parts of Bath, I imagine now, that you could film in are, are much reduced, even in 20, well, I have to say, years, I was you know. very surprised that they didn't film in the Crescent, because that's the obvious place to film mm. in Bath, and they didn't. And I was quite yes. surprised about that, but hey. It's, the problem was probably some other film crew there. Like, <laughs> you know. All the people saying, no, we want all of this money for it. I don't know. Well, the, I mean, yes, I imagine, unfortunately... If you have, you know, or fortunately for you, if you have a house in in the Crescent, you know, you're 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 making, you you got film crews every week, you know? yes. <laughs> but paying making you some Regency drama. Can you, the, can, yes. can you can you go to the Algarve for a couple of weeks so we can film? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But um, but it's 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 nice, beautiful looking, and and again, it it gives you a sense of place and time, in a way that actually. You know, if you kind of tried to make this on stage sets, or even, I mean, God help us, I like studio drama, but actually to try and make this in a studio, it wouldn't have felt as real. Because I think that's the other, the other beneficial thing about this is you're actually, it, it's giving it a reality. Yes. And and yet, obviously, it's obviously a costume drama. It's obviously, you know, not being shot like EastEnders. You know, it's obviously. You know, it's not in quotes real places. These are these are dressed sets with actors in costumes and everything like that. But you actually do get a sense of reality of time and place, and that actually is incredibly difficult for a production to to pull yes. off. So I'd be interested to compare this version with the 1971 version, which is all studio and has Anne Furbank as Anne Elliot, just to see how that fares or whether it actually makes it quite. I think classic serials that were all in studio, I remember finding them quite tedious back in the day, in the late 70s, early 80s. And I think when they started to be made on film or video, at least, they, they did, something was added, I felt. There, there are benefits. I mean, the thing is about, about making it as a film is you can use film technique. So you can uh, you can actually have fast cutting, uh, you know, which is, a, again, it's kind of it seems counterintuitive when you're talking about um, Austin, but actually the fast cutting and, and you know, it, it, it makes it work. It makes it feel like it's moving all the time. You can do stuff with with, you know, camera moves. I mean, there's some beautiful camera moves in this. Actually, you get some lovely pull. But there's the love pull back yeah. at one point which is in which are which are is a camera move in in uh in that in that party actually where where you see it, just the way the camera moves and there's a couple of nice just subtle things which are there to express the genuine feeling of those sort of, like when she's when uh, there's a moment where where she hears he's married to to somebody else oh yeah but it's the wrong yes. brother and it's just the camera move just sort of shifts to make a I think it does that Jaws thing where the background shifts and the foreground stays and it's just subtle but it just gets that sort of thing across so uh, you know it, but actually doing it as a as a one hour 40 minute movie really does actually help it's it's why actually I mean in many ways something like Morse works in this in the format they use because it because it's shot using film technique and film crews whereas actually if it had been made as as another Bergerac it might not have been as fondly remembered yeah. 
there's just there's some some it gives it a I, I hate to use the word polish because because obviously you know TV drama is, is our thing you know and and studio drama is a big part of that but actually I think for certain things if you think about the four part Sunday classic serial yeah you know it can it can feel very staged and very I used to think I had to watch those and I I remember some mm. I really enjoyed and some I really dis- disliked. Mm. And, and one I really disliked was actually Barry Letts's, um, Alice um, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, I thought was mm. dreadful. Um, I also re- I also really struggled with the Gulliver one with Elizabeth Sladen was in, which was also really slow and studio-bound. The one I loved was the Prisoner of Zender one. I don't know whether you saw that one. Mm. Sorry, carry on. I interrupted you've you. Got, you've got Bo Jest as well with... Dougie Campbell. You know, it, it does depend. It, a lot of it does depend on who's know, writing. But that was it, a bit tedious as well. Directing. But 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 you know what I'm saying is you get a different thing from that yeah. kind of. You know, sometimes yeah, you've been told to make it six parts, so you make it six parts, but really four. I mean, Barry, let's <laughs> God bless him. You know, there are there are stories that work better in four parts than six. You know, even though they remain as six parts. But um, but sometimes the certainly the the latest Sunday classics seem to be more about. The cleverness of the technology more than necessarily the the cleverness of the performance. Oh, really? The Is that the way Sometimes. it went? I didn't know that. No, I just mean that for something like Alice, it would be about techniques. Oh, honestly, it was so uh, horrendously studio bound at a point. And something like Gulliver, it. it's CSO gone oh, mad, yes, you know, yes. Gulliver. But um, but when you think about well, you take that and you look at something like Box of Delights, which is taking the same technology, but sort of using it in a different way. You know, it, it it it's interesting that sometimes the technology gets in the way of better performances. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being unfair, but there is a certain amount of that. It seems it gets in the way sometimes. You know. But interestingly enough, because you've put me on to Cousin Bet, yes. haven't you? which is a costume drama from the early it's 70s. It's totally studio bound. Studio. There is no outside filming at all. Yeah, and yet. You, you know, I, I am reliably informed that it's it's a it's an incredible piece. Yes, of it is. So, you will enjoy. You know. right. So um, you know, it does show that these things can work. It sometimes just depends on the team. Yes, and on the content working on it. And on, I think, yes. I mean, I don't think you could have persuasion without going to Lyme and being on the cob. I'd love to see how that mm. was done in 1971 without being on film. I'm sure they must have gone out to film that. They must. <laughs> oh, the, the, some of the some of what a few cardboard boxes yeah. out. Paint, painted, uh, painted stonework on the on the steps of the studio. Oh, of course, someone will leap. I need to see that now. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm now thinking of Anne Furbank leaping through the air. No, it wasn't. It wasn't leaping. Anne Furbank, was it? Because it's Louisa who leaps. I was wrong. It's on wires. Yes. On wires. Right. A bit, a bit of the old. Anyway, yes. So actually, Austin. Yes, I think. I think. Yes, a worthwhile watch. I think. I was I was glad we did it in the end. I was I was a bit wary. I did think we'd have nothing to say about it whatsoever. Yes, it. But you always uh, think that. It all, it all, it all. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, I, I sometimes think maybe I should shut up more. But actually, I think I think it was it was it's it's well worth your time. Absolutely. Yes. Right. So next time we'll be back with the letter Q. We will. Mm, but not the one you probably think no. we're thinking of. <laughs> but let's keep that secret for now. Okay. Dun, dun, Thank dun. you for your for your time and your ears and we hope that you're having a good day whatever you're doing it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from me take care bye bye
You have been listening to an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Next time, a question of attribution.